We are in the middle, actually kind of the tail end of a series called Circles. And as we started this series, we introduced the seven circles that all of us have. We all have these seven circles of relationships and uh, each one is vital. We started with the family and then we moved uh, to, to friendships. And today we're gonna talk about church. What it is like to be a part of a circle, a community of friends that uh, we now call the church. Jesus didn't call, the church, call it church, but we did. We'll talk about kind of how that, that went. But what is it like to be a part of a church? What are the, the good parts of that? What are the struggles of that? And then we're going to look to Jesus in terms of what uh, he envisioned for his church. And I'm going to welcome up to get us started here a couple of guests and friends of ours. Steve Solomon, you know Steve, right? He's a teaching pastor here and uh, very excited to have him here, as well as Denise. And uh, Denise is one of our elders here. She's on our board. She's my boss. So, you know, I got to totally behave. Uh, so let's welcome them both up onto the stage. <clears throat> So you're the one, Denise, we need to be talking to. I see how this works. Good. Any complaints about... Uh, I'll give you a call you know, later. <laughs> you go to Please Denise. <laughs> Denise, you've had a great church experience. Uh, in fact, uh, as I have um, uh, got to know you a little bit, you and Steve, your husband, and we spent a little bit of time together, of course, in the board meetings and you know some outside of that as well. Uh, you have a real pleasure about your church experience really throughout your whole life from childhood on. Is that correct? Now, Jesus called the church the light of the world. This is Matthew 5, right? Matthew 5, 14, Jesus looks at us, his followers, and he says, you are the light of the world. And you've experienced that light, right? So what has it been like for you just being raised in the church? And, and why does Jesus say the church is the light of the world? You know, it started, I think I was about 10 or 11 when I got into church. I went to a Pentecostal church. They called it sanctified back in my days. And um, it was really strict. We, um, we couldn't wear pants. We couldn't listen to secular music. But we were in church all day. I mean, seven days a week, actually. And even on Sundays, we were in church for Sunday school. Then we would have lunch. And then we would have um, church again. Then we would have dinner. And then back at church again. I'm exhausted. I'm, like, totally exhausted. <laughs> but, we're, like, we're, like, out of here in an hour. <laughs> I know. I know. Exactly. But the, the good thing about that was that's where I learned my foundation. That's where I learned the Word of God. That's where I learned about Jesus, who he is, who he could be in my life. And that's been the foundation of who I am today because of that relationship that I got early on in church. Well, that's very cool. It's hearing that perspective because, you know, for, um, for a lot of us, we have a church background that might have been a little more strict and a lot of rules, not nearly that many rules. But we grew up in that environment, and, and for a lot of us, and I would just be honest, myself included, and sometimes that comes out here, you can get a little cynical, a little bit of an edge that you know, we have to kind of guard every once in a while, you don't have that edge. So and just in, in my relationship with you, you kind of, you, you celebrate that experience, even though you've kind of moved on from a rules-based sort of religious Correct, yeah. focus, right? Uh -huh. You still say, well, that's where I learn about Jesus. That's where I learn about the Lord. We're learning to be guided by the Spirit. So that's pretty cool. I, I appreciate that. I'm actually kind of that's jealous. That's my foundation. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So Steve, why does Jesus say to us, his church, we're the light of the world? You know what, I, I think because the thing that really stands out to me is this idea, and it's something that I've been journeying on so much, is that what Christ came to do. And when you talk about being the light, or you're talking about bringing the light, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Just over the last couple of days, I've been wrestling with that, you know? That which was lost is not just us as people, but I think what got lost was the very image and understanding of who God is was lost. And Jesus came to shine that light, to be the light, to show us who God is, and then he tells us to go and show others who God is, right? So 
that's, that's just what makes church so beautiful to me. And, and that idea that we are the light of the world because we are supposedly showing the world what Jesus showed us and what Jesus showed us was the very heart and character of God. That's what he came to shine a light to every man. He's a light to every man to help us better and more clearly see God. And so that makes the church so valuable, so important uh, in the world. And and the verse you mentioned in Luke 19, Jesus is looking over the Jerusalem. He's looking over the people of Israel. He's not just thinking about the individuals, although I'm sure he is. He very much cares about the individuals. We see that throughout the gospels. But in Luke 19, he's just weeping over the city. And his heart is breaking for the city because he knows they're about to reject the true light of the world, the capital L light of the world, Jesus, who came to bring a new kingdom of love, the kingdom of heaven to earth, and they were going to reject him. In fact, murder that whole idea as they murdered Jesus. And the word he uses that they were going to be able to experience peace, but they're not going to experience peace. I mean, how cool is right. that? Like, you know, peace, if there's anything we're looking for right now. And I think throughout all of history, I mean, I, I think peace is a goal. And when Jesus looks over and says, man, this peace they're going to get the experience, but they're going to miss it. Right. Whew, I don't want to miss that. And, and I hope that when people come to church, they don't miss that. But my experience was different in my growing, a little bit. I mean, I, I always felt the love, even like in my family. I'm from a divorced family that went through a lot. But I always felt loved by my family. My parents never felt this rejection. Church was the same way. As I started thinking outside the box and considering things, I felt a little bit looked down upon for that, even though I always felt loved. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I never felt this like, uh type of thing. But as I started journeying through and kind of considering what the light means, what a Christ-centered picture of God means, it, it made me kind of bounce from church and realize I, I didn't fit in all the time. And, and if you bring up questions that, that they don't like, <laughs> you get kind of the warnings, out. the this, the yeah, that, yeah. and that to me became a problem. It made it very difficult for me to just have to be quiet and not really share what I'm thinking. And even though I felt loved and never felt rejected by people, um, I did feel like my thoughts were rejected at time and you couldn't just express them. And that was a big deal. Absolutely. And and you and I have similar backgrounds and Denise, you're even nodding your head. So I assume in kind of a strict background, doubts and questions weren't really embraced. Okay. So we're we're sort of in that same, same zone here. And, and, uh, you know, my growing up uh, here at Rancho, uh, I would say 50% of my life here was 100% good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's just as you mentioned, youth leaders who totally embraced me and all of my you know, troubled journeys growing up, uh, being in a dysfunctional home, youth leaders who cared very much. They spent a ton of time with me and, and, and a whole group of kids. Uh, there's nothing else to do in this valley. And so Rancho opened their doors to a bunch of snot-nosed kids and just come here, use our quote, sanctuary for youth group. I mean, it was that, that real embrace, that warm embrace. But then, you know, really not through Rancho, but through these auxiliary Christian sort of culture, the other 50% was 100% bad. It was all fear. Fear God. Fear judgment. Fear condemnation. Fear hell. Fear the end times. Fear being left behind at the time in the 80s. Fear AIDS. Fear STDs. Fear secular music. Fear, and you just, you got this weight that, oh, this is bad. I never, never, truly never felt right with God because I was not falling in line. And so 50% of it was 100% fantastic. 50% of it was 100% a problem. So yeah, exactly, 100%. So let's talk about how church kind of gets sideways. You know, there's so much beauty about the church over the history, but there's so much mess in the church over the history. How does this beautiful gathering, right? Jesus says, 
the word he used was just gathering, ecclesia, this gathering. How does this beautiful, simple gathering to love one another and love the world kind of get sideways? Steve, what are your thoughts about that? You know, I, I was driving in here today thinking about that, the idea that Jesus sits there and says, come to me and you'll find peace and you'll find simplicity and you'll find rest for your souls. And then it just shifts right to like lording it over people and dictating people and judging. And it just seemed like, you know, in Corinthians, it says not that you lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Man, something got lost there, you know, and I don't know if it was controlling people. I think throughout history, we just have a tendency to us versus them. We're right. You're wrong. And and you got to fit in. And just that contrast, I mean, that contrast, I think throughout history, you see that beautiful, and church has done more beautiful things than I think any, any organization in totally the agree. history of the world. Agree. Yeah. And so I don't want to just dump on that. But when it comes to authority, rule, reign, lording it over, we still struggle with that. And, and we still feel the need to like have to tell people, then this is what you have to be, this is what you have to do, or else. And I think that's where it got off track and you see that in the council in Acts chapter 15 like what are we going to do well tell them not to eat man every Gentile there is going really I got to not eat certain things this is this is great and Paul especially talks, the, the cheeseburgers you can't eat cheeseburgers yeah totally you know and so and so without a doubt I, I think I think authoritarian kind of ruling over people all the way back to Genesis you know 1 through 11 you see that struggle and continuing and I think it has continued and I think that's one of the big issues at least in my very uneducated thoughts about it (laughs) hardly uneducated but I how about you Denise where do you see the simplicity of Jesus kind of gathering this group of friends together and say hey love the world love others Um, where do you see that going sideways maybe in the church world I just feel that we are the body of Christ and we need to be a safe haven. We need to be um, a church where people can come and not feel that they're judged. They need to feel that they're loved. And um, we just need to embrace them because that's what God has called us to do. We need to love one another as Christ loved us. And if you start um, nitpicking or not letting people feel comfortable and they can't be who they are, then you tend to lose them and you're not able to share the true meaning of who Christ intended us to be. So that's what, that's my opinion. Oh, that's good. I, I, I love that. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that. <laughs> <laughs> it really boils down to, to embracing who we are in Christ, as you said, and we are dearly loved by God through Jesus Christ, and then to simply love other people in the same way. And it, it is that simplicity that, that is so rich, and, and it is that simplicity that is so powerful but we do lose our way when we lose that as the main focus. And we start looking at, I think what Steve, you mentioned earlier, is more the, the institutional stuff, right? Maybe self-protectionism and power and structures that got in the way from the very beginning uh, of church history. And there's a, cool little, um, there's a cool little study about the word we use about this gathering, because Jesus used the word ecclesia to begin with, right? He used that word ecclesia, which is a very simple, common word that just means gathering. It's a crowd. He says, come on, let's go. And it's simple. It's a gathering of people who are following Jesus. But then later, by about 300 AD, a different word was being used, and it's kirikai. Kirikai was the word that, was, that began to be used for the church. Not, not the word that Jesus started with, but kirikai, which means the house of the Lord, which is a reference more to the Old Testament. And we, and we even talk about the house of the Lord today, that this is the house of the Lord. Well, that's really not what Jesus came to say. 
This is a gathering, a simple gathering of people. Yet the word kirake started to be used, which this is the house of the Lord. That's the Old Testament kind of temple sanctuary idea, which was torn down, right, by Jesus, who brings us to God. We don't need the mediator of a temple. We don't need the mediator of a pastor or priest. And then later in the Old English, the word was uh, siris, which means, now get this, a place of worship and the seat of authority and power. And from siris is where we get the word church. That's the Old English to the modern English. And so the whole mindset is now the seat of power and authority, pulling Roman Empire hierarchies, hierarchies of power into the church. And, and that's just kind of a little bit of history, how we lost our way from a simple, beautiful gathering of people to now an institution. And, and Steve, how do you see kind of institutionalism sidelining what Denise said is the pure vision of, of Jesus? Love, love, love. Uh. Man, we could talk about that for a long time, trying to narrow that down. I think because institutions, the Bible says, it says it talks about in Corinthians, right? That knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And we're puffed up. And so institutions like have to have these definitive statements about who they are. And it's almost like, you know, I don't know if you've ever looked at a church and you look at their statements and is this one I'm gonna go to or not go to? based on what this document says. I don't care if they live loving each other, whatever. We start with knowledge and knowledge puffs up. And so I think institutions over time have, you know, I don't like what you said about something and I'm a pastor, you don't, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter, right? It's what I say, you don't like what I say, well, I'm gonna go start something new. We're gonna have a new statement, a new creed, a new thing. And so just over the years, that has really stood out to me that idea of the knowledge being who's in and who's out. And like what you said, Denise, is so powerful. What if like how we love each other was based on, you know, like, are you part of this or are you not part of this? But it really has become very, very much based on like, do you have these certain things right and dictates that? And so the, I think it's hard to just separate institutions based on, we've said this for years, right? Well, what does Rancho think about this? And well, well you have about a thousand people to go talk to because Rancho isn't a thing. It's, it's not really a thing. Rancho is nothing but people. And so we don't want Rancho to become this authoritarian thing over people. We want people by the power of the Spirit of God, living out the life of Christ. So that temple thing is huge. In Acts 17, I love when John, when uh, Peter, uh, who was it? Paul. Paul. And said, like, God never was dwelling in temples. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and later they say, you are the temple. That's a crazy thing. When you gave that list, when it went from a temple to the real temple, which was us. And that was, I think that was God's plan from the beginning. <laughs> I don't think that was something new. I think it got distorted over time. And, and so, man, here I am, part of a church all these years, while at the same time, I've always struggled with that. I've always struggled, well, I go there now, I go here now, I go there, I go, it doesn't matter. We're all, we're all part of this kingdom of God together. And that's what Jesus came to say. The kingdom's here, it's near, it's not in something. It's, and so it's within, I don't know if that makes sense, but, yeah. but that is something. It's us, it's not within an institution. Exactly. Yeah. So by nature, yeah. institution is rigid, right? And that's the whole, you look the root of the word institution. It's about rigidness. Rigidness in terms of our belief statements, which are tons of doctrinal stuff, and rigid about our traditions and how we worship, and, and it could be in high church liturgies or even in more contemporary churches. It's, this is how we do things. It's very rigid. But Denise, you know, let's imagine how we can change from an institution 
uh, and this rigid sort of mindset back to this idea of a simple gathering of people following Jesus, wanting to move forward a kingdom of love. How can we make that transition, do you think? You know what? I think the way we can easily make that transition is to just let people know what our foundation is. We're, we're people advancing the cause of Christ, and that's never going to change. We want them to know that you are the temple, just like you said. Christ did not have to be in a dwelling in order to have the people come to hear what he had to say. We are the dwelling. You are the body of Christ. The church is. And wherever you are, that's where Christ is. And that's the message I think we need to let them know. Yeah, so it begins with a message. And that message is the purity of the gospel, right? That, that God is not contained within a church institution, not contained within a building, not contained even within the doctrines that we put together about him, which by the way, every doctrine that has ever been expressed is wrong because nobody can get it perfect. I don't care what you read. There's no two church statements that are the same. And uh, because we're all just striving as a learning community, but when we stop being a learning, learning community of friends following Jesus in this kingdom of love, we become this rigid institution, as Steve says, us versus them, in versus out, friend or enemy, for us or against us. You know, and then it becomes adversarial Instead of instead of communal, um, there's a uh, uh, you know beautiful thing about sort of deconstruction, and we talk about this a lot. This is kind of just so, so you're aware, or if you're not aware, the big th thing out there in, in church world is deconstruction and reconstruction, because there's so much that always needs to be undone. Every generation passing uh, forward to the next generation, there's things to embrace and celebrate the way we've embraced and celebrated our own heritage, and there's things to say, what you know what, that's not good. That's not going to continue to go forward. So there's a lot of deconstructionism going on right now, particularly around 80s and 90s church. A lot of those things are, are, are being sort of cast aside, saying that's not aligned with the cause of Christ. We're going to move forward what is aligned with the cause of Christ, which we all experienced, love and, and this, this, this care over our lives and a sense of community. So we're moving that forward. In a church like ours, and I'll just go ahead and call it, it's an institution. This, this rancho is an institution. There's no way around it. We're not pretending it's not. It's got a lot of property, a lot of buildings, has a board, thankfully. <laughs> um, it's got accountability. All these structures are, that can be very healthy, but how do we not be institutional? So Steve, how do we have an institution that keeps things kind of decent and in order, keeps things accountable to make sure nobody's stealing any money, you know, that it's all going toward the mission? Um, how can we as an institution not be institutional? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know, and I do love the institution of church as well. Like I, and even in that deconstruction, I have some friends that have like, deconstructed from a certain way of thinking and now they're part of a different community and it really is I number one I think celebrating people's journeys and and those journeys that we're all on and understanding that it's not just this doctrinal statement I, I love Galatians 5:14. the entire law is summed up in a single command love your neighbor as yourself right we've been talking about that and so to me, it's like, hey, let's get together and let's talk about what we believe and let's journey through what we believe. But I think what we need to do is, is and I don't even know if it's possible, <laughs> is, is, to, is to seek understanding from other people instead of just seeking where we differ and then trying to convince them and not accepting if they do that. I was just with a buddy of mine this week who's going through this and he said like, I just wanna be around like-minded people. And I said, what does that mean? And as he thought about it, and we thought about it, he goes, I guess it's around people that are willing to be different and still unified in this single command 
of love one another. And, and instead of what unifying us is our doctrinal beliefs, what unifies us is the fruits of the Spirit, right? Right down in that verse, he says, and here it is, love, joy, peace, patience, doctrine, theology. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't say that. Wait, <laughs> patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So I really do think we've had, to, we've had to speak very strongly, right, against that institution of law and absolutes and certainty so that we can open our eyes to others and, and allow the Spirit of God to unify us in love and through the spirit instead of through just, and I, I don't think well, we're never gonna get away. We love doctrinal things, we love theology, but we need to love people more. And it's not, it's not just the theological kind of infighting and certainty, and I'm not gonna get into this, but the political infighting and uncertainty is so destructive in the church, and because the church is fighting kind of itself and the church is fighting the world from a political platform, now all of a sudden it's adversarial. So there's this adversarial doctrinal fight within the church that's been going on for thousands of years. There's adversarial political fights going on within the church. And, and so the world looks at the church and, and sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I don't see a lot of light there. I don't see a lot of hope there. I don't see a lot of Jesus there. I see a lot of kind of angry fighting people. And so last question for you, Denise, is um, how in the world can the church live within diversity? So in other words, you've got people with different doctrinal positions, and the goal isn't doctrinal unity. You have people that come from different political parties, different political backgrounds, yet the goal is unity and love. How do you get past all the fighting that's happening today and live in unity? We're gonna rely on you right now for the answer. <laughs> you know what, um, in my opinion, I think the key is to always be Christ-centered and Christ-based. If you don't deviate from the word of God, you're standing firm on what his teachings are, and that's what it needs. we need to be preaching. And um, we are a community-based church. We are a faith-based church, and I don't think we ever need to, to, to stray, away, stray away from that. And we, we love all, we embrace all. And I, I love our church because we don't take a political stand. We meet you right where you are. This is always gonna be a, a safe place for you to come and know that you're loved and we care. Our doors are always open, no matter what you've been through, what you've experienced, we want that to be, uh, we want our church to be a church of love, grace-based, everyone is welcome. I love that. I cannot thank you enough for ending on that note. And that, that idea that you mentioned at the very beginning, Christ-centric. So the eyes are on Jesus, on Jesus, on Jesus. Not on the church institutions of the past, not on the doctrinal systems of the past, not on the religious political alliances of the past, but we follow Jesus. And we're a learning community trying to figure that out together, right? A diverse community of friends trying to figure out how to put Jesus in the center, follow him, and then to advance the cause of Christ as we put it with mercy, justice, and love. So thank you both for being here. I appreciate it. Let's uh, welcome them for coming on board and sharing this discussion with us. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. A couple of thoughts um, that are just swirling around my head as, as we are on our own journey as a church that will result in a, a, a new season, what we're calling Rancho 4.0, that starts May 23rd. Uh, we are looking for May 23rd to be that time where Rancho formally and clearly becomes a church that is Christ-centric, not doctrine-centric, not institution-centric, uh, not aligned by political parties or political activism, 
but we are Jesus-centric in every single way. We're Jesus-centric in the teaching, Jesus-centric in how we approach the Bible, Jesus-centric in terms of our mission, Jesus-centric in terms of our teaching, Jesus-centric in terms of what we do with our time, what we do with our programming, what do we do with these buildings, what do we do with our money? It's Jesus-centric, Jesus-centric. I love the way it's put in Galatians 5, 6. Now get this. For in Christ Jesus, religious law has no value. This is in the actual Bible. In Christ Jesus, religious law has no value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Isn't that beautiful and simple? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so here we are, we have an institution. Rancho is an institution. It's a pretty large institution. We've got a thriving church and we have a crazy thriving school and we've got this rescue mission that's that's growing by leaps and bounds and and there isn't institutions surrounding that but how can we avoid becoming institutional it's about christ-centric and people focused christ-centric and people focused others focused you know i uh, um, oftentimes think about kind of the stages of faith and the stages of church and the stages of faith and the stages of church have uh there's a lot of kind of science behind it, a lot of research behind it, a lot of study and scholarship behind it. But we've got to be willing to move from stage one to stage four. And I'm not going to get into all the details right now for the, because of a lack of time. But a lot of people, a lot of churches stay in stage one. Stage one is called simplicity. And you might want to do a little bit of a, a, an evaluation about where you came from in your faith and perhaps where you might be right now. Because all three of us were basically raised in an, in an environment where it was a stage one simplicity environment. Here's what I mean by that. We come to church, we sit, we're told what to believe, we're told what to do. And if we agree, we stay, if we don't, we leave, right? Isn't that what we talked about up here? That's simplicity. I wanna go to a place where I agree with the teaching. I wanna go to a place where I agree with what's going on here. I wanna go to a place where I, I sit down and I hear the things I already believe. And we call that being fed. (laughs) I'm a little cynical. But that's simplicity church. I go, I'm affirmed, I'm nodding my head. Yes, pastor, yes, pastor. He's affirming or she is affirming what I have learned my whole life. It's a place of comfort. And listen, I understand. With all the craziness in the world, sometimes we just want to go to church and not be challenged. (laughs) We just want it simple. We want to have the affirmation that what I've always believed I can still believe, and I'm nodding my head. I'm not really getting challenged. I'm just hearing the same things that I've learned growing up or in my early church experience. That's simplicity. Don't challenge me. I don't really want to think. I'm not even really excited about doing a lot. I just want to be affirmed that what I believe is right. That's simplicity. Now, I want to be real clear here. I'm sort of not knocking that, (laughs) and I've got to check my own soul on that. I'm sort of not knocking that because uh, truly sometimes people just want an unchallenged sort of affirmation of where they're at with God, an affirmation that what they believe is right, and an affirmation that they're right. And and so I'm not really knocking that. But I do think it's better to walk through the stages of belief and walk through the stages where we can get to a point, stage four, is about harmony. Stage four is not just about sitting, absorbing. Stage four is about loving everyone everywhere. It's about harmony. It's harder work. Stage four harmony faith and stage four harmony church is a lot of work. It means we're going to be challenged. 
It means there's going to be people around us that don't agree with us. It means that even what comes off the stage here, and we have so many people just over this series, you have seen and we'll see about 20 different people with 20 different voices and 20 different backgrounds talking about these important biblical subjects. And I'm telling you, there has not been a panel up here that agrees on everything always. No way. You should come to our staff meetings sometimes. They're a riot. It's a learning community, not an indoctrination community where we all have to walk, lock, step dutifully, just affirming that we all believe the same thing and our past experiences are true and I'm right and I'm good. And us versus them. No, it's a learning community that's seeking harmony, as Steve said, seeking peace. The peace that Jesus offered, the peace that Jesus prayed for. And peace doesn't come when we all believe everything the same about God. Peace doesn't come when we're all surrounded by people in the same political party. That's not where peace comes. Peace comes when we are selflessly following Jesus selflessly following Jesus. What does Jesus say in Matthew 16, 24? Jesus told his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from selfishness. And yet for many people, church is about going to a place where they believe what I believe, going to a place where they teach in a way that I am fed. We go to a place where all their traditions are something that I am comfortable with. That's the simplicity level. Following Jesus says, I am going to be selfless. This isn't about me. It's not my comfort. It's not about my comfort. It's not about me nodding my head always, being in an unchallenged environment that just affirms the way I grew up. It's about selflessly inviting this community of diverse people, diverse politics, diverse religion. Everybody here grew up in totally different environments. I mean, I grew up in a Reformed church. Denise grew up in a Pentecostal church. Steve grew up in a Calvary church. And I'm telling you, those could not be more different experiences. But we're all here. If you were to come to a board meeting, you will see beautiful diversity. Men, women, ethnicity, age from all walks of life. We don't all agree, but we have a good time and we love each other. And our board and our staff wants to lead a church not seeking simplicity, but seeking harmony. Harmony. And that is a difficult thing. And that is the center of the gospel, right? There were 11 political religious parties around the time of Christ, 11. And they were all fighting each other, sometimes, oftentimes, violently fighting each other. Jesus did not pick a side with any one of those 11 political religious parties. Jesus was about bringing a new paradigm, a new kingdom he called the kingdom of heaven. And he promised and he gave his life for the cause of the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom where love is the only law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. All the commandments, all the prophets are all summed up in that one commandment to love one another. Jesus says this is going to happen. It didn't happen in his lifetime. It didn't happen fully in the early church. There were glimmers there. It didn't happen through the institution of the Roman Catholic Church. It didn't happen through the Middle Ages. It didn't happen through the Reformation. It didn't happen through modern evangelicalism. It didn't happen through the uh, denominational mainline churches of the last 300 years. But every step along the way, we're learning and learning, and some things have to go, but some things have to keep being made new. And so we're wrestling through that right now as a country when it comes to faith. Who do we want to be going forward from here? After the pandemic, after all the turmoil in our country, Who do we as a church community want to be? I hope it's not an institution. I hope it's not the, quote, house of the Lord. I hope it's that simple ecclesia, that gathering that Jesus himself 
brought together. A community of friends from all different walks of life. A diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ through mercy, justice, and love. Let's keep it simple. Keep it Christ-centered. Keep it people-focused. Doors wide open. Everybody is welcome. We'll love you exactly as you are. Let's love each other and love the world around us. And just to reiterate, Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What if this was that community? Let's pray. Our God and Father, these are um, challenging concepts, especially given the world that we live in now. A world and a country that is so often fighting about so many things, usually around protecting what we believe, protecting our traditions, protecting our way of life, protecting our freedom, protecting our power. And yet Jesus says, if you want to follow after me, you must walk a road of selflessness. And it is so hard to unclench these things that are our preferences or that benefit us, that keep us in power. It is so difficult to unclench those fists and have a, a hand that is wide open and says, I want to live for the benefit of others, especially those who are most unlike me. We see that in the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. We see that in the early teachings of the apostles and many of the verses that we read today, that all this bickering over religious laws and rules and doctrines and preferences, all that matters is faith expressing itself through love. And our faith is in Jesus. We follow Jesus. And in him, we see such beauty. In him, we see such freeing teaching that people's burdens and their, their heavy burden of religion and guilt and shame and judgment is lifted. And they embrace the love of Christ, that simple love of Christ, unconditional embrace of the Heavenly Father expressed fully through Jesus. I love you. I forgive you. You're my perfect daughter, my perfect son. And for us as the gathering of Christ's followers to accept that love and then look at one another and say, let's love this world around us the way God loves us through Jesus Christ. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. In Jesus' name.